Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach podcast. Now, today, Dan, we're going to talk about one of our very, very favorite topics, and that is unique ability. Mm-hmm. And unique ability is something that for both of us is something we enjoy coaching other people on, enjoy living, enjoy talking about. But let's really define it, because for a lot of people, I think it tends mm-hmm. to be a fairly broad topic that's a little hard to get their hands around. So how do you like to define unique ability? Well, first of all, Shannon, several times over the years, people have asked me if they took away all the concepts that you have in Strategic Coach, which numbers in the hundreds, but you could only hold on to one, which would you hold on to? And I said, well, unique ability, because starting with unique ability, I could create another program with entirely different hundreds of concepts and more or less end up with the same feel for the program and the people would experience the same success. But unique ability is just a concept that you shouldn't be doing everything. You should only be doing certain things. The certain things that you should do as an entrepreneur is where you have a real passion that's a lasting passion. In other words, you were passionate about this when you were 10 years old, you're passionate when you're 50, and you're passionate much later in life. There's just a constant sense that this activity really delights you. And for me, just as an example, as we go along here, is the asking of questions and helping other people get clear about their thinking has been a passion of mine for as soon as I could talk. I just had this enormous, enormous interest in what you could find out by asking a real good question and then getting the experience out of other people. So that is a locked-in, factory-installed unique ability I have. And the second thing is that you really want to use this skill that you have to be a hero to other people, and especially be a hero to the people that you really want to be a hero to, because we all have preferences, and we all like certain types of people different. And mine are probably from about 40 years onward. The only people I really wanted to be a hero to were people who owned usually had started their own entrepreneurial business but had total ownership of it. I loved working with them because they had so much control which allowed them to immediately make decisions and take actions once they were clear about something. So that's passion and hero. And then the third thing is that since you're devoting your life to this activity, there's real multipliers to it. And what I mean by multipliers, your capabilities keep going up. Your creativity keeps going up. Your credibility keeps going up. Connections expand. Your sense of confidence keeps multiplying. And then also the cash keeps multiplying, you know. So those are just six ways that I look at how I'm getting paid in the world. And from year to year, as I develop my understanding of unique ability, my coaching ability, then I'm getting more and more rewarded as I go along. So say an entrepreneur is playing with this idea, where do they get started with figuring out what their unique ability is? What they, I don't like to use the word should, but what's most beneficial for them to be doing and what doesn't serve them or anyone else when they do it? Well, if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have had a long answer, and now I have a really short answer. I've got the shortest answer that we've achieved so far, and I just have people think of everything they do as a circle, Okay, and then inside that circle is a smaller circle, you know, it's still half as big as that circle. And then inside that circle is a third one, a very small circle. And I just label 
the big outside circle is A, the one in the middle is B, and the small circle is C. And I say, now, I want you now to understand that right now you are doing a lot of different activities, but the A activities actually irritate you. And anytime you're doing this activity, you feel irritated. But not only that, when you're doing this activity, you're usually irritating to other people because you hate the activity. It gives you no energy. You're not very good at it. And you're doing it under compulsion. It's a should-do activity. It's not an activity that you would freely choose to do because it doesn't represent your unique ability. I've never thought of it as, I know I feel irritated, but I, you're totally right. I never thought of it being as irritating to other people. That's mm. a great point, Dan. I can bring witnesses, Shannon. <laughs> yes, you can. I can bring witnesses. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's true for all of us. It's true. I'm, I'm not just picking on you here. <laughs> Feel free. And then the second activity are okay activities, and these are kind of neutral activities. They don't irritate you, but on the other hand, they don't excite you either. Usually, they're okay activities because they're related to cash flow, predictable cash flow or existing cash flow, and you have to have the cash flow to stay in the entrepreneurial game. But they're not activities anymore that have any special spark for you. And then the third one, the little circle, is activities that are always fascinating and motivating to you. So sitting down with someone and have them talk about their entrepreneurial career and just sitting there for a half hour, hour, and just ask them, you know, where it started and then what were some of the big jumps that they took, what were some of the big challenges they have. I can just sit there for an hour and I'm just totally enjoying it. But the other thing is that the other person is seeing their life for the first time in a way that they've never seen it before. They're gaining objectivity from stuff that was just an emotional feeling. And I just love that activity. And then we've created a system where other people, other coaches can learn how to do this. And it's just a wonderful thing that just came out of this ability that I was born with to ask questions. And there's all sorts of reasons why perhaps that developed, but a little bit too long to explain in this podcast, but I could do this forever. And there's nowhere I go where I can't get someone involved if they're an entrepreneur in kind of exploring their entrepreneurial life and career and experience and the downsides of it, the upsides of it, in a way that they don't immediately learn something really interesting, useful, and actionable, actually, from my conversation with them. So really, I just took this unique ability and at a certain point figured out how to build a business model around it. Mm -hmm. And as you talk through that conversation with people, what I'm aware of is that they get clearer on the parts of their entrepreneurial career that has been fed through their unique ability. Mm -hmm. And it also usually becomes immediately evident what parts of their business or their activities they find really irritating or merely mm -hmm. okay. And then what do they do with that information once they have those three distinctions? Well, it's got to go into a plan. So the way that we do it and... We do things on a quarterly basis, so you can just take that three-circle model that I had, the ABC, and you can say, okay, what are the three most irritating activities that I'm doing right now? Just present moment, just taking a snapshot of the present. And then you go to the second one, and what are three just okay activities, which if you could delegate them or automate them would free you up? And with the irritating activities, you just want to get rid of them, period. You know, just saying, I'm not going to do this anymore, so somebody else is going to have to pick it up, or it's just not going to get done anymore. And usually it's something from the past. 
that's actually a tug on your progress. It's actually tugging you backwards on your progress because entrepreneurs like to grow. They like to improve. And anything that holds them back, especially something that uses time in a sort of a negative way, is a very, very irritating activity. And then each quarter, we're going to do three things which represent expansions of the fascinating and motivating activities. And your answer to that question, what are you finding, is always in your unique ability. It's fascinating and motivating because you have a passion for it, because you're being a hero with it, and there's a multiplier involved. So you're passionate throughout your past, you're a hero in the present, and there's multipliers in the future. It's got all three time dimensions in it, and it's just a beautiful place to be. You know, there's 7.4 billion people on the planet, and ask the right questions and given a chance to actually do some thinking and decision-making and then teamwork with other people. Potentially or theoretically, everybody could be living in their unique ability, but it's it's more likely that you're going to have to be in an entrepreneurial activity that you will feel the pressure to actually get there. And the reason is because in the entrepreneurial world, there's huge, huge rewards for zeroing in on your unique ability and then having everybody around you be in their unique ability and you're all linked together producing an incredibly more productive and profitable overall result and that just keeps growing and growing. That's a huge reward and so it would prompt you to actually go through the thinking and you know the discomfort of telling the truth about things and then making decisions again could be uncomfortable and then the same thing is actually going into motion and actually changing things. You have to have a big reward for doing that. You wouldn't do it if things are just going to be the same. I was going to ask you what the why was of doing it, but that's exactly what it it's is. It's got to be a big reward. It's got to be a really big reward yeah. because there are changes. You have to let go of things. Yeah, there's the- almost got to be a 10 times built in that if I stop doing this and I start delegating this and I start automating this and then I expand this kind of activity, you know, using many different factors, how I feel about things, my sense of enjoyment, my sense of confidence, the progress that I'm seeing. It's got to add up in your mind to 10 times better result. I mean, I'll go through a lot of discomfort and change for some area of my life where I can get a 10 times bigger result. The other word I just wrote down here was freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, the freedom that comes from doing your unique ability and almost only your unique ability. It's not something, by the way, that happens Mm -hmm. overnight. But the freedom to just do what you love to do and be surrounded by other people who also love it is pretty profound. Yeah. You know, in our four freedom checklist, you know, we have a checklist of the four freedoms that entrepreneurs uniquely get in a way that most other people can is freedom of time. So... You're using your time, but you're only using it on fascinating and motivating, enormous freedom. But not only that, if you were freed up that way, you would have immense freedom of money. In other words, the money that you're making would be way, way bigger because you just wouldn't get tired out. You would be communicating an enormous sense of excitement and enjoyment, and other people pay a high dollar to be in the presence of someone who has that, then the freedom of relationship. More and more, you're only with other people who are also focused on fascinating and motivating. And then your purpose, you know, if you have freedom of relationship, then you have freedom of purpose. And that means that your entrepreneurial company is actually just a lifetime vehicle for expanding 
your sense of purpose of just what your life is about, what kind of impact you're going to have, who benefits from you being alive, what are the enjoyments and the rewards you have for it. Then, So you have this enormous sense of purpose. But all four of those freedoms means this constant shedding of irritating and okay activities that are not your unique ability. Mm, I love it. Dan, let's drill down on the relationship side of it, because one of the things I find, you know, as people start to discover their unique ability, and by the way, for anyone who wants to go deeper into this process, we've produced Unique Ability 2.0 Discovery, which is a phenomenal book and accompanying notebook, which walks you through the whole process. It's like sitting down with a coach in a cafe and going through the mm-hmm. whole process. But once you've figured out what your activities and your statement and your best habits are, it's interesting because I find that what is really important for people to hone in on is really who is their best audience. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit already, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of those things that actually has you experience being a hero or not, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on whether or not you're in front of or engaging with the right people. One of the things, and I say it in sort of a lighthearted way, your unique ability really grows to the degree of applause that you're getting for actually using it. And that means you have to have an audience. If you're going to have applause, you need to have an audience. And by that, I mean it's it's everybody that you're in contact with in an entrepreneurial world. It's your family at home who's applauding dad or mom for being so successful and being important to other people. And then obviously the team that you build around you and then the clients and customers. But it's more than that. It's that you're a general increasing benefit to the world that you live in and you get applause for that you know and it comes in various ways but you're being told you're really special you're really important you're really making an impact you're really making a difference and your unique ability will grow in relationship to that kind of applause and this is why it's much more possible today simply because all that audience in previous days had to be local it had to be people you lived with. And so if you were born into circumstances where there was just no one who would appreciate or utilize or reward your unique ability, it might not grow at all. You know, it's like a plant, just gets no sunlight and it gets no fertilizer, it gets no water and might be a wonderful seed, but it just isn't going to grow into anything. Parents are probably the number one thing here, your immediate people. Families work because Parents are totally biased toward two or three or whatever the number of children is. They're totally biased towards these children against all other children in the world. And if you're good parents, you're giving support for the uniqueness of the child. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to make the child like yourself. That would be a that would be a violation of the uniqueness of the person. But you're spotting and you're paying attention to what's unique about this child. It's not how the child is supposed to develop according to some outside rules. It's where is the passion, where's the hero, where's the multiplier with this child. So having really great parents is... There are people who become great without having great parents, but I have to say that it's unique. You can't predict it, and it's not guaranteed. But usually if the emphasis is on this unique ability of the child, not what they have to fit into outside, but just how do they have to change the world in order to grow their unique ability? You're really onto something special here. Mm-hmm. And I had the benefit of that, you know, as a child, enormous support for just kind of who I was. 
I profited enormously from it, and I try to pass it on with everyone that I meet. Well, that's the last point I want to make about unique ability is that the environment that you're in and being conscious of whether or not it does, in fact, you know, if you're the siege, is it water, you know, is mm-hmm. there nourishment around you and support for mm-hmm. that? Companies, certain cultures, certain, you know, like we talk about cities sometimes and how great they are for helping foster unique ability development. And I think about team members and people who want to work with other people, creating an environment where you're looking for people's unique capabilities and talents and mm-hmm. how they can grow. That influences so much whether or not you have an experience of this or not. Yeah, and there are certain conditions. And as I've gone forward, I've become more sensitive about what's the right condition and what's the wrong condition. Babs and I are very akin in terms of what we like and what we don't like. And so we've designed a lifestyle that totally is supportive of our unique ability. We've designed an entrepreneurial firm and environment that is just in alignment with our unique ability. People say, well, what do you mean, the right kind of circumstance? I said, I find my unique ability doesn't come out when I'm surrounded by men wearing ties. (laughs) And if somebody, they're all dressed up and then they're in ties, I just feel very, very limited because... I have a feeling they have a Ron value system for what I can produce in the world. Somehow how they're dressed is more important than what kind of creative things can actually take place. And so, you know, it's very funny. I spent 10 years with one of the greatest tailors in the world here in Toronto, Harry Rosen. And, you know, I bought lots of suits and lots of shirts and lots of ties and everything else. And they're wonderful fabrics, wonderful tailoring, and they're going to last me forever because I wear maybe one of them, about twice a year. And the whole thing is that I had to go through that education to realize that that didn't really matter in my world. But I do have nice clothes. I have nice sweaters. I have nice shirts and everything else. But I live in a world where the environment is an informal world. The emphasis isn't on that. The status is how creative are you? What are you building? And what kind of success do you have to show? It's not the suit you're wearing. It's not other external images, you know, although I like really great things, you know, I I like really first class experiences and that, but it's not the big item for me. That's only a condition so that I can be more creative and I can operate more fully from my unique ability. Mm, That's great, Dan. Well, that's really all the time we have right now for Unique Ability, but I certainly appreciate this conversation. And I think just a few closing comments is that it's just every time we see people grow and develop in their Unique Ability, they become happier. The people around them become happier. They build better companies, Mm -hmm. better teams. So it's a very practical strategy, not just a nice to-do. Yeah, it's very exponential. You know, the word exponential is used a lot today in regard to technology. But where all exponential technology actually comes from is actually unique ability teamwork, where you have a set of individuals who are each able to operate on their unique ability. And together, very different abilities, they create something that's never existed before. And a lot of that today is taking the form of technological breakthroughs. Great. Well, in a future conversation, let's go even deeper into Unique Ability Teamwork. Thanks, Shannon. Great. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.